0: hello and welcome to the think mhk podcast presented by the manhattan area chamber of commerce on this podcast you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community you also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights thanks for tuning in today my co-host for this segment is Charla Meisenheimer. Hey, Charla. Hey, Jason. Our guest is Tom Phillips. Tom's Tom has worn a lot of hats over the years, but right now he is currently serving in a volunteer capacity at the chamber and is on the business advocacy committee. So, welcome to our show, Tom. Thank you for having me. It's going to be fun. So, Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. I went to college here, so I received both my bachelor's and my master's.
1: And and when I was working on my master's, I fell in love with a young. Beautiful pre-med student. And so we ended up in Kansas City for 10 years. And we could manage two careers and son number one. But when our second son came, life was getting kind of hectic. And so uh, we decided that uh, we probably needed to leave the city, that we had choices. I was willing to alter my career path because I always knew my wife was going to make more money than I. Actually, we ended up in Manhattan because we did a cold call and talked to a local medical practice here, and they were Interested in hiring my wife and the rest is history. And, and so we moved back here in 1992.
0: And your wife's profession is? She's a physician, Dr. Dobick. Okay. And and your profession
1: is? I uh, was the, uh, my master's is in urban planning. Uh, I worked in Lexa and I started out as a planner one and I worked my way up to the director of the department. And I was the director for about, uh, I think about five or six years. That was a really rewarding experience. I, I was I think 28 when I was promoted to director and uh, there was only one employee younger than me at the time. So my mindset was I had to work harder than everybody else. And, you know, I was the first one there, last one to leave. And that's why it was, we were just a busy couple. So, but I enjoyed it. It was, it was very much fun.
0: I was fortunate enough to get a position like that when I was young. And um, I remember thinking the whole time in my career, I was always the youngest person in the room. And then I don't know if you've experienced this yet, but I woke up one or I was sitting in a meeting one day and I looked around and I was the oldest person in the room. And that's quite the shock. Absolutely. Even now, when we go out for dinner, I look around the room and go, Debbie, I think I'm the oldest person
1: here. (laughs) So at any rate.
0: Well, we appreciate you being at the chamber. Um, So you quickly moved, or maybe not quickly, but you moved into public service at some point. Talk about that transition and and what were some of the reasons why you decided to do that? Obviously, because of my professional background, uh, Bruce Need was elected to the city commission.
1: And then he appointed me to serve on our Manhattan Urban Area Planning Board. Probably would have been the late 90s, I'm guessing. And then I was also active in the nonprofit world. I served uh, on the board of United Way. Um, I was the president of the Boys and Girls Club. So I I tried to be active in the community. And um, ultimately, I think I probably got a little agitated with some city commissioners and I threw my hat in the ring. And lo and behold, I got myself elected to the city commission.
0: And what year was that? That was in 2005. Okay. So what are some of the most uh, memorable experiences you had while you were on the city commission?
1: A fun memory includes my good friend, Dave Lewis. We were celebrating the city's 150th anniversary, sesquicentennial. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. And I can remember sitting with, uh, we were reenacting a city commission meeting. I think Cheryl Collins had actually gone back and found minutes from a a long ago city commission and we were all dressed in top hat. I looked as goofy as possible, but it was in the city park. And that was just a a fun memory. And, you know, uh, one of the more controversial things and probably why I lost my reelection was I was the swing vote on almost everything when I was on city commission. And I I was a strong supporter of our downtown redevelopment efforts. And I got booted out of office, I think primarily because of that. But as it turned out, I think people realized over time that my decision probably wasn't too off the mark. But at the time, it was very controversial, and I can I can say I, I knew leading into that decision process that I, if I had voted for it, I would probably not be reelected. That's how controversial it was.
0: And of course, that took a lot of courage from from a lot of people, including my predecessor, Lyle Butler, who spent a lot of public meetings advocating for downtown redevelopment as well. And I think now we are all very happy that you and Lyle and, and the others who who helped lead that effort did that, because it has really uh, created a great community. Yeah, it, it was a controversial decision, but it, it was the right decision. Um, and it, it
1: really was a moment of of testing one's leadership skills, because if, you know, I could have easily voted no and probably made a lot of people happy in the community, but it wasn't the right thing for our community, and and I knew that going in, um, and so so even though I lost, I felt good about it, and uh, and I understand why it, it was controversial, and and it was ideas on paper, uh, people couldn't see the vision. But once it got built and people could drive around and see it, I I think for the most part, the community's been very happy with that.
0: Well, obviously, that didn't sour you from public service because you ultimately ran for the state legislature. Talk about uh, why you decided to make that decision. Uh, my predecessor,
1: uh, Dr. Susan Mosier, had resigned. And I started getting phone calls saying, Tom, you really ought to think about running for this. And then I had some phone calls from people I knew in the state house, And, and it's, it's kind of a funny story. I, we went on vacation and I'm thinking this will just self-resolve itself and I won't have to make a decision. Uh, but when I we landed at the airport, I turned my phone on and it's just ding, 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 ding. The lesson that I walked away from that whole experience thinking about it was... I learned that you have to be willing to enter an experience and not know all the answers. I often describe it as the door. You may not know what's behind that door exactly, but don't be afraid to walk through it. And so I said, "Okay, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring on this. And and, uh, it was the precinct chair, men and women, and I won. And that was another great experience for me.
2: So tell us about some of the greatest accomplishments you're most proud of during that time frame.
1: You know, that was a very interesting time for our state. Um, the time we went through a tax experiment of trying to cut taxes to stimulate growth and it, it did not work and our revenue plummeted. And um, so so to answer your question, what was my most proudest accomplishment was I was the vice chair of taxation when we finally rectified and changed the tax policy and reinstated some of the mistakes that were made. And um, you know that that was a very uh, challenging year, but I can remember the the day, or actually it was the night that we passed it. The floor just kind of erupted in, in, in clapping and in joy and celebration. And we we, were, we weren't supposed to do that. We actually got gaveled down by the speaker of the house. But that 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 then led me to um, you know you have to have the revenue to, to run the state government. And the other accomplishment I was proud of was. Uh, rectifying our state uh, education policy um, because we had ended up in the court system for 30 years and we were able to pass a school finance formula that ultimately was approved by the state Supreme Court.
2: So after all of that, why did you decide to step away from state legislation?
1: Good question. It's multifactorial. Um, you know, I'd, it was nine years nine, and And I'd entered the state house thinking this was not going to be a career. I didn't want to be labeled a career politician. So so that was part of it. The the environment kept changing and it became more and more confrontational. You you had to follow the marching orders of leadership to get ahead. I always felt like I was elected to represent the people of, of Manhattan. And as a result, I didn't always follow what leadership wanted. So I was kind of. Um, on an island sometimes, you might say, from, from that perspective. The other reason was um, I had just turned 65, and I felt like there, there, I had another chapter in my my uh, life, and I felt young and happy enough and energetic enough that, that now was the time.
2: So if someone was interested in running for office, what would be your one piece of advice for them? I, I would
1: say you better know why you're entering politics and know yourself. And what I mean by that is, you're confronted with a lot of unpopular decisions, and and if you go into politics thinking you're going to make everybody happy, it, it would be a frustrating experience. So, you have to know why you're running and and have the the fortitude and belief in your convictions that you're you're doing the are making the right decisions for our community or the state, even though they may not be popular at the time.
0: So, Tom, you've been engaged with the chamber for a number of years now, and uh, this year you were honored as the, the Law Butler Distinguished Leadership Award, and you've also been honored as Volunteer of the Year in, in the past why has being engaged in the chamber uh, been something that's important to you?
1: One of the biggest benefits for me personally was was having access to networking with a lot of uh, people in the community. Um, And and when you're in elected office, one of the things that you need to do is to keep your finger on the pulse of the community and what what people are thinking. So the chamber was always a good avenue for me to to be engaged with business leaders, businessmen and women, and, and just members of our community. So it it, it was very positive experience for me in that regard. Plus, I think the chamber does a great job of, of promoting our community and, and helping guide our community in, in a positive direction in terms of economic development.
0: And were you surprised when
1: you found out? you were- Oh, yes, uh, I was. Um I had no idea uh, that that I was going to be the recipient of the award, but it meant so much to me because I'm, I'm close friends with Lyle and he and I spent a lot of time together on the downtown redevelopment and other projects. So it just was a extra special meaning to me to, to be recognized by the chamber as, as, you know, in the same category as Lyle Butler, because he's just a true gentleman and a a great leader in our community.
0: I agree with that. And to win, you have to be a graduate of Leadership Manhattan. So, do you remember what year you graduated? Or boy, I do not. I can tell you, two thousand and
2: six okay. was your magical 2006.
0: year. Six, yes, yes,
2: boys. best year ever, or best class ever. Right. Is that what it always says? There, there's no doubt, <laughs> uh,
1: and and so it, it was a uh, it was a great experience for me. Uh, again, you know, I look back on my life, and I just feel like how fortunate I have been to to be given these opportunities to participate in community leadership, state leadership,
0: and made a lot of great friends along the journey. So once you announced your retirement from the legislature, uh, we immediately called you and said, hey, Tom, will not you come help us with our advocacy committee? Uh, so you've been involved with that now for about a year. Uh, what, are, what were some of your priorities when you got on? What are some things that you're working on now in terms of advocacy on behalf of the business community?
1: Well, uh, well what I'm working on now is uh, uh, trying to develop policies regarding town growth you know our, our town has we've experienced some some tremendous growth through the time period of 2005 to 2012 but and we're still doing very well i don't want the, the listeners to think that things aren't going well for our community but I think we can do better as a community and uh, and we look to the future uh, with automation changing demographics i think our community always has has to be thinking about how can we ensure a prosperous economy so that we're not so reliant on increasing property taxes to support our, our great quality of life that we have here. So if we can attract new businesses, more people to our community, it helps our community. It helps uh, pay for the great services that our government
0: provides. Yeah. And of course, in the last census, um, I believe the information came out that we were averaging 0.3 percent annual population growth, and that's just not sustainable for a community that wants to maintain the quality of life that we want to maintain. So, what are some of the areas that you're working on? I know we we worked on the new development code, and 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 we're able to get some changes suggested that were included, but what are some of the other things coming up that you're going to be looking at?
1: Yeah, some of those issues in, include the housing study that the city's involved with and trying to think about workforce housing to make sure that... that. Uh, That we have a competitive housing inventory so that we can attract uh, a labor supply here to meet demands for businesses. So housing is an important one. Transportation is another one, particularly now with the infrastructure plan being passed by Congress. We need to think strategically as a community. How how can we position ourselves to receive some of those funds, but more importantly, uh, build the infrastructure for continued growth? Uh, I think annexation is an issue. We need to think about how we can physically grow the size of our city. Um, So those are some of the topics that are on top of mind right now.
0: And of course, all very important. And we're so glad that you've agreed to help lead those efforts on behalf of the chamber. Tom, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for your service to this community. uh, And thank you for your volunteering uh, with the chamber. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. The Think MHK podcast is brought to you by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget to subscribe and like the Think MHK podcast on your preferred podcast provider, and you will never risk missing an episode. If you enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating and leave a review. To find out more about today's topic or other chamber activities, please go to manhattan.org. And now back to today's show. Welcome back to the Think MHK podcast. My co-host for this segment is Sharla Meisenheimer. Hey, Sharla. Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm good. Why don't you introduce our guests for today?
2: I'm happy to. So today we have Alan Weddle with Weddle & Sons Roofing with us. So Alan, let me start off just a little bit here and just tell us about yourself. Sure. Well, thanks for uh,
3: having me. I was born and raised in Manhattan. My parents met at K-State and stayed. I'm super thankful for that. Uh, so grew up here in town. I'm second of seven siblings, never left Manhattan
2: and, and love being here. Well, we're glad that you stayed and that your parents met here. So how did Weddle & Sons actually start? When my brother, Eric, and the older brother, Eric, younger brother,
3: Tim, and I were pretty young, we were thinking we needed to find a way to save for college. At that time, I thought I would go to school. And so, we started our company Roofing because we didn't want to landscape. Keith Westervelt already had that market kind of cornered. So, we started roofing. We did our first project when I was 14 years old. Eric was 16. Tim was 12. We're way too young to be doing it. But we named the company Weddell & Sons because we thought we wanted... Our clients to think that someone more responsible than us was involved in the business. So we incorporated in 1999, uh, worked. I went to uh, Highland Community College at night for the first couple of years and decided I wanted to, I wanted to roof as my career. It's been a phenomenal, phenomenal career.
2: Well, as you talk about your career and how you started, let's kind of walk through that between when you incorporated and until now, because you've got some, some massive growth going on in there. So talk to us about that and how did that happen? You know, I was
3: on every project, every roof, from estimating, tearing it off, and nailing on shingles until about two thousand eight. If you recall, two thousand eight, there was a pretty big, pretty big storm here in Manhattan. It was really transformational for our business, um, and it it really was the tipping point where we decided we're going to go all in on this and and really run this as a business and not just as a hobby or as a way to make some money on the side, as you know in any business. But committing to that growth is 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 a big step. And so for us, we're hiring full time employees, office staff. Field staff—that um, was really the the point where our business took off.
0: So, as a business that's grown over the years, you, every small business was impacted in some way by the pandemic and and then the things that have come after that, including some challenges with labor and and uh, supply chain. As a small business in Manhattan, how has all that affected you all, or or has it?
3: Well, it certainly has. I mean, I don't think any business could say that that wasn't uh, wasn't something on their radar, but Honestly, for our business in Manhattan, it probably changed less in our business in other locations. So Manhattan is our home office, our corporate office. We have locations in, in seven other cities. And so navigating the pandemic early on was interesting as as different regulations came down, not just by state, but by municipality. So maybe what we were doing in office in Manhattan, Kansas uh wasn't what we're doing in office in denver colorado or fort collins or omaha so early on that was that was certainly a, a challenge
0: but yeah and as part of your growth you've taken on new opportunities right so you're doing you're in solar now is that correct that
3: is correct so that really was a, a big step for us we became the first certified installer for the tesla solar roof system i've always been interested in solar it's a integral part of uh Any roof system that has solar, it usually goes on the roof, Uh, but the solar roof that uh, Tesla came out with about five years ago, I've always been very intrigued by. So, when they onboarded certified installers, uh, end of 2019, we became the first certified installer to install and sell the solar roof, and that's been it's been a lot of fun.
0: And so what's your territory for that? Do you get a designated territory as part of that? There, there are it? not designated oh, okay. territories, but we,
3: we are covering right now from St. Louis to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and into Idaho. So it's quite quite a stretch. And I've got projects actively going in about six states right now.
0: And have you had a chance to meet Elon Musk as part uh, of that we process? Have done, we have done some calls with Elon, so... Is he kind of like you would imagine him to be? In, in he is extremely aspects? smart. Uh, he's
3: funny. Yes, he, he's a brilliant person. He's very driven on seeing the solar roof take off. And I think there, there have certainly been, if you follow anything about their company, the way Tesla does uh, their business, they're very innovative and they're aggressive about improving things. They're not always the easiest company to work with as far as customer service goes, but that's why it this has been a really good fit for our company as a certified installer to work with clients who really want a good customer experience. And our our skill, and I think what I would say our skill and our team's uh, ability to install a really good asphalt roof, because we do that every day all over the Midwest, has really lended itself well to us installing the solar roof system.
0: That's pretty awesome. So, if somebody's interested in the solar system, do they call you or do they call Tesla? Or how does that, how does that yeah, most work? Most of our clients come through our website. So, when we get ten or fifteen
3: leads a day across the Midwest. Um, if you go to Tesla's website right now and you put in your information in Kansas, Nebraska, Wyoming, uh, Montana. In certain parts of Colorado, they'll actually send you to our website. So, but yeah, you know, we talk to a lot of clients, and that's one of the things I enjoy most. I generally do the first introduction call with every client and try to do a video call with them because it is a big investment, and I want them to know that from the top of our company, we're committed to seeing this be successful for them. If it's a good fit for them, or if it's not, then helping them find what what they are looking for.
0: And there's still federal credits, I assume, for for there, alternative the energy.
3: investment tax credit. Still yeah. is uh, has been extended, I believe, through the end of next year. Is twenty six percent on on the roof and the batteries. Great. And how many employees do you have now? We're about 50 full-time employees. Okay. Uh, that are full-time with us on any of our job sites with um, contractors, electrical contractors in different areas. We probably have between 100, 150 employees on job sites every day.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So big business, uh, even though you're a small business, there's, there's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of uh, managing. It, it is growing. So you were recently recognized by the chamber for, as our entrepreneurial spirit award winner, and that was given at our annual awards luncheon. Uh, what was your reaction to finding out that you were, you were a winner of this award?
3: Well, obviously it's quite an honor. And I think it's neat that the city uh, the Manhattan chamber is doing this. As I told Charla, I could point to about 10 other companies I think should have won that instead of us, but obviously it's, it's an honor. And it really is indicative of the hard work that our employees have put in. While I like to engage with our clients anymore, I'm not as uh, face-to-face with as many of our clients as our team is here. And so it's really neat. And it's a testimony to the work that our, that our employees are doing uh, to serve our community here.
0: Well, you're being modest because you were nominated and then there was an independent committee that selected you. So um, uh, I do appreciate the modesty, but there are a lot of people who are, who are impressed with what you're doing. Well, so, thank you.
3: No, and I appreciate that. One of the fun things about business is you're learning something new every day. And this new adventure into the solar roof for us has been, has been exciting and, and certainly is gathering some attention.
0: It's an opportunity to learn every oh, day. That, that's right. What are some of the challenges uh, of being an entrepreneurial business? These are probably pretty uh, universal, but every
3: day you go to work and you have to solve a problem that you didn't expect to have to solve that day. And I think that's true. Uh, I know every day this week for me, where you have to be creative and sometimes fairly stubborn and, and push through, um, you have to work long hours. And sometimes the only reward is the joy in solving that problem. It's just one of the challenges. And it's one of the fun things about business.
0: And I'm sure as somebody who loves Manhattan, you want to see more entrepreneurs here. So what can we do as a community to encourage more startups? Yeah,
3: you know, as I thought about the answer to that question. I thought back to when I was young, I had mentors to learn from. Um, and I mentioned a few. One of the first groups I did was for Keith Westervelt, uh, Kent Glasscock's good family friend, Dave sitting here next to me, like people in the community that I can learn from as a young person. I think anytime that the chamber can leverage the talent of older entrepreneurs, older business people, people that have been around have been through these struggles and can help share that to younger ones of us. And I still consider myself in that boat. Um, that's a huge value. That's a huge value. So some of that happens organically, right? Through, you know, different social events and you can seek that out. But but also anything that the chamber could do to facilitate that, I think is a huge win.
0: Yeah, and of course, Alan was referencing our great producer, Dave Lewis. Um, we also, just an interesting aside to that, uh, we are in the process of organizing a new group of senior executives, and that was a that's a suggestion of our former chair Wayne Sloan. But we already have a great group of people committed to that process, and one of the reasons is to help mentor uh, people like. Alan and others who are starting in the business. So great advice. And hopefully we'll see something out out of that sooner. So um, from somebody who is experienced now, uh, what message would you give to somebody who is interested in starting a new business? Yeah. And I'm probably
3: mentioned already, but expect to work extremely hard, working hard and solving problems um, should be rewarding to you because it might be the only reward that you'll see for many years and then get uncomfortable with uncertainty and change. And that's something we've kind of talked to our team about this year in we really view our, our traditional asphalt business as like our core business and the Tesla side of it is a startup and things are different in a startup. You work really, really hard and you generally don't make much money in it and things change every single week. And so being comfortable or learning to be comfortable with that change is critical. And some people enjoy it more than others and that's okay. So I think being willing to work really hard and being okay with having to solve problems that you didn't expect.
0: Awesome. Well, that's great advice. So, well, and you survived the uh, first portion of today's interview. Of course, everybody who listens to the Think MHK podcast knows we we always end these segments with uh, rapid fire questions. And uh, Sharla is going to kick that off and ask you your 10 questions. Let's go.
2: What are you currently reading or what is a favorite book?
0: Okay. I'm
3: currently reading Lights Out. It's Pride, Delusion, and the Fall of General Electric. I love vicarious learning. I love stories about big business, and uh, that's a good read.
2: I don't have to write that down. What three words do you use to describe living in Manhattan? I only need two. Wonderful people. Favorite flavor of ice cream? I don't eat dessert ever. No dessert, so.
3: Best childhood memory. Uh, We grew up going to Rocky Mountain National Park with my family and just loved Love that. Love the mountains. I love any, I love travel anywhere, but especially Rocky Mountain National Park and my sister's right there, lives there now and uh, dealing with another forest fire. So
2: we'll we'll keep her in our thoughts. Biggest lesson the pandemic taught you?
3: Mm, Finding the joy in whatever circumstances God puts us in. So I went from traveling quite a bit for work uh, pre-pandemic to our different offices uh, to being home for several weeks straight when it first started. And then, you know, when we got exposed different times or when we actually had the virus quarantining at home and it was phenomenal time with my wife and kids, we loved it. It wasn't that way for everybody. I understand that, but, but yeah, being, being content, we had a great time. That's a great story.
2: Samsung, Apple or other,
3: you know, I'm not a tech person. You might be surprised, but whatever works for me, if I turn it on and it works. So right now it's Apple, I probably go either way.
2: First and or favorite concert. I'm a huge
3: Southern gospel fan. So the Gaither Vocal Band are my favorite concert. That's a great one.
2: Texting or talking?
3: I do both way too much. (laughs) What's your favorite business book? Uh, The one that I recommend the most to people when I talk to them is actually one that my buddy Sean Ruth from Ready Systems told me about. It's called Predictable Success by Les McKeon. It's a phenomenal book. I read it every six months whether I think I need to or not.
2: Sounds great. I do have one more question that's on the rapid fire. You ready? So, what would you tell your 14 year old self now?
3: Mm, my 14 year old self. Well, that's a good question. I probably think about that from my son's perspective. He's 11. He's 11 now, and so, and he's really smart. I think learning how to interact with people that are older than you, learning how to interact with adults politely, professionally, and then being thorough. I I am not by nature really a thorough person. But when you're working with clients on their homes, taking care of things that really matter to them a lot and working with employees, taking care of their livelihood, thoroughness really is a quality that whether I like it or not, I have to be really, I have to be really good at.
0: Fair enough. Well, well, and thank you for being with us today on the MHK podcast and congratulations on your success. Thank you for loving Manhattan and being engaged and active with the Chamber of Commerce. Thank you. Appreciate your time. All of you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.